You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and better opportunities and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing? All right, let's get into the B2B Marketing Mindset, shall we? I'm Pete Monfrey. This is my co-host, Bill Lowell. Howdy, howdy. Hey there, how you doing? I am doing pretty good. You know, every week, Bill and I go live on LinkedIn and a few other places to help you make better marketing decisions. And today we're talking about sales, basically marketing's ugly stepsister. You know, more specifically, how to deal with problematic prospects. And as usual, there's a ton more information on this topic at B2Bmarketingmindset.com. So I encourage you to go check that out, but do it after the podcast because it takes us about a day to get everything up there. And so, um, but if you go there now, you'll see even more episodes. So, but we're going to cover five kinds of prospects that make you want to poke sharp sticks into your eyes and how to deal with them professionally and with finesse, something my well-dressed co-host knows very well. The most finessed man I know, Mr. Bill. You, you live a, a sheltered life if that's the case. So. <laughs> Thank you I do. I do. You I'm do. wearing a tie again. Hey, I'm impressed. You Trying know? to keep up with your finesse, your level of finesse. It's feel good. I appreciate that. I feel like I'm strangling. I'm going to die. You know, this, this uh, topic, in my opinion, you know, you're the, you're the real expert. So I'm hoping that you'll do more talking and sharing today than, than I will. Because every once in a while, I might just defer to you because, you know, every time we've talked, this is just such a, a knowledgeable subject for you. So I'm looking forward to I, having you share some well, stuff with you. With the I appreciate that. And mostly I just, I just love doing it. You know, I, I didn't used to love doing it. Uh, and it was because of all the ways that I thought sales was like in my mind, I thought, you know, what do you think of when you think of sales, you think of car salesmen and plaid suits and, uh, you know, pushy, uh, people, obnoxiousness, you know, and, and what you're thinking of is bad salespeople. And so really, I got some training, in my case, Sandler, uh, Sandler Sales Systems, and it really made it fun for me. It made it enjoyable instead of, it was literally a nightmare. And, and these were days, we, we knew each other back then, and man, I really, it was just, it brutalized me all the time because I, I didn't really know what I was doing, and we'd have a problematic prospect, and I just didn't have a good way to handle them. Um, and so either I ended up being walked on, or I made a fool out of myself, or you know, any number of bad things can happen. So I was really, you know, really thankful to uh, to learn that. And and by the way, if you're up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, look up Frank Gustafsson. He is uh, the Sandler guy up there, one of them, and I think one of the best ones. So check him out on LinkedIn. Tell him I sent you. Um, so let's just jump right into this. We've got four kinds of problematic prospects. Uh, hopefully you won't recognize yourself in any of these. Um, but... Uh, but these are pretty common. Um, let's start with the first one, control freaks. Now, why is that a problem? I, I think f from my standpoint is the salesperson should control the sales conversation. If you're not in control of the process, that means the buyer's in control of it, not ideal. So you get somebody who's really controlling and that, that can be an issue. Have you run across that? Oh, I mean, yeah, the answer is yes. And, you know, one of the things that I think uh, with regard to the control freaks or any of the, the ones that we're going to talk about, you and I talked about this a little bit offline, but I think understanding everyone's personality or communication styles is going to help you because 
sometimes people are control freaks for a reason. You know, they they may not even know they're being a control freak. It's just like we talked about the the disc profile. Somebody that's a driver, for example, they just want to get things done. They want to take control. I mean, sometimes they're a control freak just because that's kind of their position and their nature. So I think it's really important for people to understand the various personality styles. But but there are there are some people that are control freaks. But I think you and I will talk about this. But I think that uh, as long as you're a good listener, let them get it out of their system. <laughs> let them talk. Sure. So you'll you'll probably learn a lot. You know, it's the dominant, it's the dominant people. Now, if you're selling at a very high level into the C-suite, you're going to run into a lot of dominant people and they are going to be, they're going to naturally want to control the process, but there are ways that you can do it. So some of the ways that they do this is they, they don't let you ask questions. That's one thing that drives me crazy when a prospect assumes they know what I'm going to ask. Okay. They usually have no idea what I'm going to ask. Um, so it's just not productive. Um, they ignore a preset agenda. You agree on some kind of agenda and they just throw that out the window and do whatever they want. They, uh, they t you were just telling me about a client that was, was telling you how to do the job. This is what we want. This is what you do. This is the right thing. Do this for this us. Is how, this is how to do it. This is how to do it, right? Um, and assuming uh, that they know what you need to know. So quick story. I had a sales call with, I think he's the second wealthiest man in Australia. Um, and it was a great opportunity. And what happened is this guy shows up 20 minutes late to the call. I'm just on there with his assistant, shows up 20 minutes late, um, starts talking incessantly, not about their problem or what they're looking for or what they're trying to accomplish, just about all kinds of other things and then leaves 10 minutes early. So he graciously granted me 10 minutes, and then he said, hey, work with my assistant, figure this out. I said, I, I have no idea what, what you guys want. What are you looking for? She's like, I don't know either, okay? I'm not sure how I could have handled that guy in that case. I, I tried some things to try to regain control, but I just couldn't in that case, it got away from me. You know, what, what do you, could, what, what would you advise me on that? Slap him? Well, <laughs> well, I think you know my philosophy. You know, it's, for, you know, probably for the last five, six, seven years, I, you know, I, I do not work with anybody I don't like anymore. I used to do that when I was younger. I won't do it anymore. So, you know, I'd probably either just walk away or whatever the case is. But one of the things that I think you could do is maybe just ask, do we need to reschedule? You seem like you're preoccupied or you seem like you're really busy. Do right. we need to reschedule when you have more time? I mean, that might be a technique that you that you use, you know? Otherwise... Well, in fact, my sales coach w would have told me exactly that. A lot of times, and I, I work with people and, and teach sales as well, but and so I'll do this too, but you, we debrief that call, and the first thing he said was, he said, where do you think you went wrong? I said, I, you know, and, and he said, here's where you went wrong. As soon as he showed up 15 minutes late, you should have said, I think mm -hmm. we need to reschedule this. Yes. I okay. So, you know, in a way you're ex exerting some dominance there, right? Um, but I think that your willingness to do that, I mean, you always have to contrast this with the average salesperson and what they would do. The average salesperson is not going to come back assertively with that type of prospect. And so by doing some of the things that we're going to be talking about, and especially stay tuned for the final thoughts, we're going to give you some ways to deal with these. But... 
uh, it's you're going to set yourself apart from the other salespeople who are there just with their hand out and they're kissing butts and they're going to do anything the prospect says and they're like, oh, please, thank you, thank you for your time so much, thank you, you know, uh, yeah, don't be that guy. Um, you know, one one other thing too along those lines, Pete, you know, maybe that person was trying to take the upper hand with you and so i think you're right you know maybe setting a different time or or doing something might be uh you know might have been a good strategy but sometimes well, I, I people think just have go ahead no don't i just gonna say you. sometimes sometimes people just have issues <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> true and you just gotta shake your head going wow they're a control freak they're, they're a control freak for a reason you know well and he's got a lot more money than me maybe it's working yes. for him it yeah. also makes me think of this some buyers are trained in buying, right? They're negotiators. It could be a tactic. Definitely. Definitely. Most aren't, and they do things. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things that they do, and it's just natural. Like, But it's still a process, right? Even though they might not be aware they're engaged in a buying process, it's still a process. So we kind of all do it naturally. Like if we go to the, the best buyer, we're looking at the big TVs and the the kid comes up and it's like, oh, can I help you with that? You know, Are you looking for something? And you're like, no. You know, like I just no. I like to spend a lot of my free time walking around at Best Buy looking at TVs, but I have no interest in TVs at all. Um, no, so I lied to them because my defenses went up because I didn't want to be sold to, right? But you, it, so it, my point is, if you don't have a process of your own, you're at the mercy of the buyer's process, whether they have, whether they're specifically trained or they're not. You're at their mercy and you don't want to be at their mercy. You want to have control over your life, over your business, right? Being passive is not going to get you there. Yep. Uh, so we'll share some techniques about that. This one kind of, there's so if there was a big Venn diagram, some of these would overlap quite a bit. Um, but uh, know-it-alls. Oh, you know, I, I'm looking at my notes and I for some reason I... Um, uh, looks like I confused some of these things. But the know-it-alls, right? Um, yeah. they, they come at you, uh, already knowing all the, the answers. Now, if you're selling widgets, I mean, does that matter that much? I mean, I guess it does sometimes, um, depending on if it's a paper clip or some kind of complex thing, it's going to matter. Uh, but the know-it-alls, you were telling me a little bit about one of those. You know, I, I think with regard to the know-it-alls, you know, my, my first recommendation is always do a really good job of listening. So, you know, because maybe they're telling you stuff for a reason. And then you, if they say enough things, maybe later in the conversation or the presentation, you can go back and, you know, pinpoint some areas that you really could help them or where they're, you know, where their thinking is flawed. But the know-it-alls, I guess my only advice for that is, you know, go in prepared. You know, as long as you've done your research and you know as much you could ask really good questions have you thought about this ask some good open-ended questions you know challenge them a little bit in a really nice way that that might work you know so um i've i had a situation where you know and this this happens pretty regularly marketing is one of those things that everybody thinks they they know how to do it right yeah yeah but sandler taught me this awesome question and and it goes like this somebody's telling me you know all the answers already you know this is what they want and I say, Mr. Prospect, can I just, is it okay if I just ask you a question? Just one question. Why am I here? What am I doing here? 
That's a great you question. You seem to have all the answers. I'm not sure what. Are you lonely? No, I'm, I'm exaggerating <laughs> a little bit. But maybe they are lonely, right? Yeah, I don't you know. Need, yeah, you need me to get you a date? What's going on here, you know? But but the technique is actually to say, you know, to, so what I what I think is interesting, so the, so the actual question is, let me, let me, so ask permission, right? Do you mind if I ask you a question? Very polite. Um, and then don't pull your punches, okay? Why am I here? And then just shut up. Why am I here? Now, what this is going to do, it's going to knock them off balance, right? And if they're like, well, I don't know why you're here. I actually had one good old boy say, yeah. I don't know, I like to talk to people. Yeah, well, have a nice day. No, you know, I actually did. I hung around with him a little bit, 10 minutes, talked to him, super nice guy. I knew there was no sale to be had, but he was kind of funny, and I enjoyed it. It was fine. But normally you ask that question, it will kind of reset the, the conversation, right? Um, you know, and, but it might not, okay? So what's the salesperson's ultimate power? Or the only power, I would say. It's walking out. It's walking, yeah. yeah. It's walking away. I was asking you. I, thought, I didn't know if you were asking me if it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> you're, waiting for a, you're waiting for one of the listeners to, to, to make yeah, a note on the... Send me a uh, text. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. But yeah, is is you, anybody you know, monitoring comments? We don't get a lot of comments. You know, I don't know. It's Maybe. funny. Our, our styles might be a little different because, you know, I mean... I, I like, I mean, that was a very direct approach to ask him, why am I here? I mean, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that, but I love that. I love the idea. It might be worth, might be worth trying, you know, <laughs> but with, with, when you're selling research, I tell you more times than not, the clients think they know it all. And sometimes they're just trying to confirm something or they, you know, they, they want to, show the rest of their employees they know it but the others don't know it and so but it's like we you and i have quoted mark twain for a million years already it's, it's what we know that just ain't so so i'm always dealing with that battle you know where people know right. they think they know it. Um, if it's some specific thing you might ask give me a sense of where that information came from how do you know that right and you know you you have your different demarcation lines but for me it's like if you can't show me some research you can't give me something that uh is tangible as to you know if it's just listen kid i've been in this business 30 years you know yeah yeah we'll put that in the assumption uh column all right fair enough uh yeah. you know but always polite uh i mean i am kind of smart off in this program but but i think one of the keys is that you're you're always polite and professional you ask permission you say thank you right you actively listen to what they're saying and usually Whatever's going on, it's your opportunity to ask a question to get below that surface, okay, um, and learn more information. So one of the ones that I like is um, people that come, like the very first thing out of their mouth is, all right, what's this cost? Some would see that as a buying signal, right? Yeah. How would I know what it costs? I don't even know what you want. I don't even know if I do. Maybe you love tacos. I sell hamburgers. I don't know. What does it cost? Uh, I don't know. But so how do you deal with that? Um, and, and, and we've done, that. you and I have, we've touched on that subject with regard to price all the time. You know, it's like, I don't know if you were asking me again there, but you probably were just pausing. So, I have no idea how, no, I have an idea how no, to deal with it. But, but again, what you you are so right. You know, you haven't defined 
what people want or the scope of the assignment or anything. I mean, so it's like if you're just talking about price. And by the way, we know this from negotiation. The first person that gives a price loses. So it's like, well, why would you why would you throw something out? It's just dumb. Well, and some can be gamemanship. Again, you have the negotiators. We'll talk about them in a minute. But yeah. um, sometimes it's a clue that maybe this client or potential client, this prospect is maybe not a good fit. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that's because we're wildly expensive. But I struggled with this for years until, you know, and, and I would try to sidestep it or I would try to, oh, I start, you know, rambling about pricing or something. And it's not because I don't want to share our pricing. When I realized that, and this may be a decade ago or more, um, I think I've been doing Sandler for about 15, 16 years now. So, hmm. um, but it gave me some tools and there's, there's a couple things. One, I realized that the only honest answer, if it's at the very beginning of a conversation, of your first conversation, right? the only honest answer is I have no idea. I really have no idea. There's so many variables, my goodness. Um, and let me tell you the other thing. No prospect ever, ever gives you a number that's so high you start shooting guns in the air and going to Mexico. All right? right. It's always more like if you can find out their budget and you must. Uh, and it's always going to be a number that you're going to be like, OK, what can we do for that? I mean, it's just I think prospects are worried they're going to give you a number and it's and, and you're going to overcharge them somehow. Um, yeah. But let me let me assure you, you don't have enough money to do what you want to do. All right, it's we're gonna have to be clever every single time. Um, could you, if if I gave you your approach back to yourself, could you be direct and ask them, is price gonna be your key decision making component here? You know, and if it is, well then, obviously you you need to leave because that's that's not what you're all about unless that's unless you're in a commodity business and it is what you're all about. You know? Well, are you the low price leader? Okay, if that's right. if that's your strategy, I don't know. Tell them the price. Uh, but let me tell yeah. you, the price cannot be low enough for a lot of people. But here's exactly. here's what I was taught to do. Yeah. Let's say it comes right out of the gate. First of all, it's a big red flag in my mind. In fact, I'll be this close to walking out already. Okay, but give people the opportunity. Um, so I say. Well, that's a great question. Definitely going to cover that. But do you mind if I ask you a question? And this is called a reverse, okay? It's turning their question. It works with very dominant people, too. You take their questions, you turn them around into questions. Not because you're trying to trick them, right? I mean, a car salesman to try to trick you. you know? No, it's because you need to find out. And the question is this. That seems really important to you. Can you tell me a little bit about why? That's the question. Because what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to understand but through active listening and questioning techniques, why did they come out of the gate with that? Now, you're going to have people that will be like, what the hell do you think? You know, maybe that's the time to say, yeah, I don't think we're a match. Have a nice day. I really appreciate your time. Something changes. Here's my card. Boom, I'm out of there. You know, like their head starts spinning. It's like the roadrunner. He's out of here so fast. Um, but that's really, I think it's an opportunity a lot of times when you run into that kind of thing. And the way that you can you know, reverse a question into a question that gets you deeper into where is that coming from? Why, why is that? That seems very important to you. Um, back in the days of, of when we owned a design firm, we, we, do, we own one now too, but uh, it's like we used to own a design firm and we still do. Um, Mitch Hedberg, a variation joke. Uh, but uh, people would be really asking about the portfolio. Where's your portfolio? What's your portfolio? Well, listen, we've been in business for decades you know, I could sit here and show you pretty artwork for days on end. Let's talk first about what it is that you're looking for. And then I'll show you the things that 
might make sense. Or a long time ago, we decided there's no portfolio. Go to our website. You go look at our work yourself. You decide if it fits you or not. But, um, but why? Why is that so important? I mean, and, and the answers could be anything, really. I mean, you just can't predict. And you, but you're always going to get a piece of information that's going to help you decide if you're a match. Because I think that should be the point of every uh, sales call, especially at the beginning, is are we a match or not? That's before it's time to sell anything. Or in, in our case, I like to let people buy instead of trying to sell them something. Um, I just first need to understand if we're even a match. Right. And that means, you know, do can you afford us? Right. Um, are, you know, how do you make decisions? What kinds of problems do you have? Maybe they're problems that you have that we don't even solve. Right. And that's OK. You can say, hey, um, we're out of here. Uh, so I think that's a good one. Um, yeah. Can I can I make a clarification? Um, so not all car salespeople are bad, just so you know, I've seen some really good ones. And by the way, I have a brother who is probably one of the best salespeople uh, for Lincoln Mercury, Lincoln uh, dealership in Minneapolis. But his whole he's a he's an excellent salesperson, but his whole technique is problem solving and listening. So, I mean, so when you do that, it's very different than like you're talking about. So I had to make that clarification. So, Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> I came to your. I came it's true. To I mean, we're, gen we're definitely generalizing a lot. But I mean, when we ask people, what do you think of when somebody says salesman? That's usually it's the used car salesman that comes to mind or that persona. Right. But yeah, definitely some very professional salespeople out there. But they're just consultative selling. That's the difference. Right. There's, a, there's a saying in that business, pushing tin. Are you pushing tin or are you solving problems? Okay. Yes. If, you're, if you're pushing tin, you're probably doing it wrong. And you're, you may even be succeeding, right? Even You can do this really wrong and still succeed. The difference is, is it going to brutalize you and make your life miserable? Or is it going to be something that's gratifying and you know that you're helping people and you're solving their problem? And that's a huge difference, right? Um, yeah. Can you sleep at night? Right. right. Um, people that are uh, disrespectful of your time. I, I think this one drives me crazy. And and this is also saying that yesterday I dropped the ball on a meeting because I had a doctor call me at the last minute and then I just couldn't get to the meeting. I felt terrible because I'm obsessed with being on time and not missing meetings. Uh, but. For example, they they uh, repeatedly. I mean, it's one it's one thing to stand you up once, right? If they do it over and over again, you got to wonder, right? Do they respect your time? Uh, taking calls during the meeting. How many times have you been talking to somebody about their business and? Oh, excuse me a second. I got to take this call. I take this call right now. Yeah. Or they're or they're texting or you know what I mean or looking at their email in the meeting. It's ridiculous. Reading email. Yeah. 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 You know, eating a sandwich. Yeah. That one I can tolerate sometimes. You get hungry, you know. Uh, show up late, leave early. We talked about that one a little bit. Um, right. So I'm going to be very respectful to everyone I meet, okay? And so I don't think it's unreasonable for me to expect them to be respectful to me. And if they don't respect me, it's not something that hurts my feelings or I take personal. It's a clue that they're probably not going to listen to me or take my advice. And I'm in the advice given business. Okay. And so that's really what it's about. It's like, man, and, and all of this is like, are you going to be a good client? Are you going to be a good mm -hmm. client? These are all clues that maybe not, or they could be just having a bad day. 
or there's something going on that you don't understand. So, you know, don't bail on them right away, but try to go deeper. Uh, try to Maybe kind of understand. They were raised poorly. Their parents were terrible. <laughs> Could be. And and I, I think if they're taking calls and doing all this stuff, it's the same same answer, I think, is, hey, would it be better? You seem you seem very preoccupied today. Would it be better to reschedule that? This meeting? I think so. Right. Can, can I make one comment on that? Uh, you know, you're the branding expert. So the other thing that I would say is that person is doing a disgrace to their company for promoting their brand because they're they're looking like idiots and uh, I and not showing the respect and I think a poor reflection on that company. So if I was in charge of branding for that organization, I think we'd have a serious conversation. That's something to think about. Yeah, how are you representing your organization? All right, uh, I think that it's you know one of our tenants here at, at Clarity Marketing Support is respect. We respect our clients. We respect our prospects. And, and we, we, we want the relationship to be mutually respectful. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, and, uh, but again, think about if you've been around people that have a lot of money, or maybe you have a lot of money, uh, how do they act? Are they worried about saying the wrong thing? Do they worry about, are they uptight about talking about money? Uh, are they worried about walking away? No, they're not. Um, and so one of the things Sandler would teach us is, you know, convince yourself you've got a million dollars in the bank and don't need the business. Now, how are you going to handle that problem? Well, I'm going to probably be like that dude in Australia. Absolutely. Uh, overly skeptical. Now, I don't know how often you get this. We get it almost 100% of the time. Hmm. Wow. People are like, listen, the last five marketing joints we worked with, they just ripped us off. Right. What makes you different? Let's. What if I ask you that, Bill? So the last uh, five uh, research dudes uh, ripped us off. Hey, what makes you different? You know. You want me to role play with you? Is that what yeah, you want do me? it. All right. That's what my. What do you think I'm talking like this? Uh, I'm like uh, from Milwaukee. It's my Milwaukee voice. Trust me, we're, we're going to be different. <laughs> I, it's a hard one, isn't it? it? It's a really, it's a really a difficult one. But what makes us different is, I mean, just like you said, you don't even know me yet. So how can we make a judgment about that? So, you know? so my answer to those, well, so we, so we run into this so much. And I think it's sad. It's one of the reasons this podcast exists, okay? Because right. there's really something going on. There's something wrong in the marketing yeah. industry. When you have 100% of clients don't trust you right out of the gate, I just saw a Gartner statistic a few sad. weeks ago. It said 80% of CEOs don't trust marketers. Okay, right. this is an industry on fire. And it's there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm sure we, we cover them you know, every week here. But uh, yeah. this one is, is tricky because... Again, when I figured out the, the honest answer, to me, the default is if you're going to be completely honest and completely authentic, don't use techniques, ninja tricks, you know, right. none of that stuff. Okay. Just be yourself, be authentic. What is the authentic answer that you might be afraid to give? So what makes you different or what, you know, why, how are you going to be better than these guys? Right. Yeah. My honest answer is I have no idea. Yeah. Is that Would my you... place to tell you or is that your place to to figure that out. I mean, I, I don't would, know. Would you ever ask them though, Pete? Like, it seems like you've had a bad experience or two. I would. Tell, tell me, like what, what went wrong or why was the other experience so bad? I mean, 
would you ever do that just to understand what the heck they went through? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I might say I might say something like, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about your situation to know what, what might make us. Maybe we're not actually. Maybe we're the same. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about why that question is important to you? Um, right. What what happened? You know, who show me where the bad man touched you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I might be exactly. pushing it. Um, but it's the other thing, like asking for references, references, Ooh. references, references. In this day of LinkedIn, what what are good are references? Okay, you ask me for references. What what, what am I going to do? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you Bill. I'm going to send you Bill's right. phone number. Exa exactly. Bill's You're gonna not going like, to give somebody that doesn't like you. I mean. Yeah, we're going to only give you names of people that are like total advocates for us. And here's the other thing. Right. In fact, if you if you go to claritymarketingsupport.com slash FAQ, you will you will see our FAQ. One of the items is, do you give references? Answer, no. Here's why. Our clients didn't sign up to sell our services. That's really true. Reason number two, people abuse the privilege. Okay. Yes. They have their assistant calling my client incessantly, all right? Um, the other thing is, look, I got dozens and dozens of them on my LinkedIn profile for everybody right. to see. Yeah. You know, clients that don't, or prospects that don't do their homework. I, how many people have I talked to that they never didn't even visit my website, you know? Or HeidiDesigns.com, uh, you know, well, where's your portfolio? all over the website, man. Uh, I don't get it. Like, um, but I think being so skeptical, there's a threshold where if they're, you know, so say, look, we don't, we don't do references for this reason. You can definitely check us out. In fact, I'll just tell people, and this sounds a little cocky, but Google my name. That way I can't filter any of the results. You're going to see everything I've been up to since the internet was born. Uh, some of it good, maybe some of it not. Doesn't you matter. Know, I'm a probably a little different. Thing. I, I will not give references until I know we have the deal sealed. So I might say, I'm happy to give you or provide you with references after we've agreed that you're going to use me, you know, and then then I'm happy to do it. Because just like you said, I'm not going to waste my client's time to give a reference if somebody is just kicking tires. That's absolutely silly and a waste of their time and my time. But if somebody has already agreed we're going to work, we're going with you subject to making sure your references pan up fine, you know, but it's still like yes. you said, it's not going to, it's not going to be, I'm not going to give them somebody that, you know, that had a bad experience with. I mean, that's just silly. We're going to give them people that, like you said, that are advocates, you know? That's, yeah, I, mean, I think that's a totally different situation. And the other thing you could, you could, I mean, I live in Austin, Texas. It's kind of a big, yeah. small town. Ask yeah. around, ask around yeah. about me. Like, like I could give you references all day. It's not that I don't have them. It's just that it's a terrible way to make a decision. It means nothing. Um, and so, um, so they, meant, they might mention past negative experiences or they want to start small. Okay, these are people that they're very skeptical. Um, now, or they won't share basic information that you need to know to, find, to understand if you're a match. I had this with a large construction company that you and I both know. And he, this, the, the founder is a very colorful guy. We really love him, actually. Um, and his, his family, they're awesome. Um, but it was it, it, during the sales process, I, I said, hey, you know, what's what, what can you give me a sense of, of the budget just a rough ballpark like where where are you you know where are you thinking and he says the other three agencies didn't ask me that question 
my response was, I'll, I'll say that his name is Frank. Frank, now I can't be held responsible for the poor business practices of my competitors. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> you know we got the deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we worked on it together. And you, you are right. He is very colorful. and we. I, he's all. awesome, actually. We, you know. Now, you know, that was before I had any real training. I mean, it was just instinctively yeah. like being yeah. a smart ass and he laughed and then he gave oh, me the yeah. budget. I mean, he's he's a funny guy, but he's a good business person, too. Um, Better than me. One of the one of the other things going back to communication styles or personality styles, sometimes, though, a skeptical prospect is what I call a thinker. And, and it's it's one of the profiles in the, you know, in the disc in the Myers-Briggs, but it's a thinker. And all they're asking for is they want alternatives. So maybe there you provide either option A or B, give them a choice, or they're data seekers. You know what I mean? So like they right. they need more information in order to make their decision. Now, sometimes a thinker also does analysis paralysis. So they could be thinking all day long and never make a decision because right. they need there's another other alternative out there. But that's a whole nother story, you know? Well, and that's Part of what Sandler taught me is how to spot that. And and the, I think yeah. when we get to our last point here, we're going to talk yeah. about, or actually, I think it's the next one. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's just okay to always, like, default to authenticity and honesty, right? Definitely. Um, Definitely. You can't go wrong this way. And look, you're not going to win every deal. And maybe, and, and this other thing, don't try to win every deal. If you're out there and your goal is to win every single deal that comes in the door, you might be a terrible salesperson, Okay. Um, I hate that. Uh, yeah. So this is some of this is just axe axe grinding today. So I love it. This we're having a therapy session. <laughs> this is therapy live. I think LinkedIn. we should have it live. Everybody can call it and give us their horror stories of what happened. You know, yeah. both sides yeah. of you being the client and you being the, the have, salesperson. I gotta have a little notebook and take notes. Hmm, yeah. Very interesting. Do you love your masa? Um, little white liars. Little white liars. If I learned anything from movies, it's buyers are liars. Isn't that, it sounds terrible. And what's, I'm referencing uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross. Great movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, if you want to see terrible sales pros, uh, practice, go see that movie. Go look that movie up. I guess nobody goes to see movies anymore. Movies come to you. In Russia, yeah, movies see you. Um, but, probably uh, on Amazon Prime or Netflix. So absolutely. It's a great movie. Um, but uh, little white liars. So what, what that means is, and again, we all do this, right? And it's a defense mechanism that we don't like to be sold to. But there's another kind of more evil side to it. It's people that are acting like they're in, a, in an active buying process when they're actually just trying to get free consulting. Uh, How much is, I mean, this happens. I can see you're shaking your head. You're like, oh, my God, uh, I had a nickel every time. Yeah. You know, this okay. happens all the time. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. How do you find out if that's, you know, I think, I I think some of it is really trying to do the best you can. And I think all of the people that are good, a good salesperson, people watching this will know this, do whatever you can on the pre-qualification, you know? So when you're finding out of stuff ahead of time to see if you even want to meet with them, hopefully you've done a little due diligence to, to try to find that. But like you said, if they're, if they're not telling you the truth, you know, they may they may hide that. So it's going to yeah. it's going to be it's going to be difficult. So you might have to throw up some trial balloons in my, you know, is what I would do. So, you know, like what happens if we did this, you know, or what happens if we did this and then kind of see where they're going, you know, or. Uh, well, and you're not always going to see through the smoke shield. I mean, no. but no. there's something again, I'll fall back on 
on the uh, yeah. David Sandler. If you don't know about David Sandler, gosh, go Google that name. I think yeah. he really was about 1968. But uh, Sandler taught us that um, uh, if if they're not if they won't share details that help you qualify them, and that everything is really about qualifying, right? Right. And so to spot somebody who's uh, maybe trying to get free consulting, one of the things that we, we, one of the mantras is we're here to get information, not give it. So you need to like, right. if, you, if you're getting into a sales conversation at the early stages, there's a time to give information and a time to not give information. Right. And at the beginning, right. you're trying to qualify somebody. That's why we answer questions with questions sometimes because it's not a good use of either of our time uh, for me to be blah, 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 blah about everything there is to know about us. That's called spilling your candy in the lobby. David Sandler has all kinds of nice little sayings like that. Spilling your candy in the lobby. Um, and how often does this happen to us? I got a, I got a message on LinkedIn the other day that was like a, an encyclopedia of what this guy did, his first contact with me, right? Oh, and he, when his request was he wanted me to introduce him to people. <laughs> Why would I do that? Um, but so you're there to get information, not give it. There's going to be a time where it's time to share your information. The other thing is, we're not, you're not in a sales call to get your needs met. In other words, sometimes salespeople will start talking because they want to establish that they're experts. And, they, and I've had a guy, I had a client, uh, a salesperson would interrupt the prospect and say something that would demonstrate his expertise. And then the prospect would come say, well, no, that's completely wrong. You know, sometimes I'll share the transcription with you, Bill, because it's 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 cringeworthy, as they say in the wow. internet these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. But body language um, is another way, right? Ghosting you. I mean, one of the one of the little white lies you get all the time. Listen, board meeting got rescheduled. The next one is uh, this is like let's say you give them a proposal, right? And you yeah, follow up with me in a couple of weeks. And most salespeople are like, great, yeah, happy to do it. Follow up in a couple of weeks, excuse number one. Okay, yeah, follow up again in another couple of weeks, excuse number two, excuse number right. three. Then pretty soon they just don't take your calls at all, right? Yeah. What does the average salesperson do? Keep following up. Well, not at, no, 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 the average one. Yeah. <laughs> they don't follow up, but but the good ones, they probably will keep on. Following. Oh, they'll keep following up. You know what? I'll tell you right now, and I'll tell the whole world this, I don't follow up. I'm not going to follow up with you, all right? I may not even give you a proposal. If I do give you a propo proposal, it's going to—it's not going to contain any new information. It's going to just confirm what we've discussed, what the scope is going forward, timeline, budget. That's it, okay? And I'm going to leave it to you. If you want to move forward, reach out to me. You know how to get a hold of me. Now, that is a total power move, right? Yeah. Again, what do the most successful people do? Do they do they hound prospects? That, this is what I was doing wrong with Monfrey Acott back in the day. And this is why uh, it started grinding me down. I was spending 80% of my time following up with people that are never going to buy. And I just didn't know any better. I thought that's how you did it. Right? Um, so it could be budget. It could be decision making. It could be, you know, any number of things. But and it's okay. I mean, when we say buyers are liars, we're not we're not saying this is is like they're bad people, right? It's just really a natural thing. It's like it's a defense mechanism. So if you're skilled at this, you're going to get through that, and you're going to get down to the real truth that you need to make sure that you're a match. Because the worst 
outcome for me and for my company mm -hmm. is that we work with somebody who's not a match. That That's we so miss true. the signals. And we just did this just last year. It was awful. Turned out terribly. They weren't a good match. They, they were good actors, um, but uh, it happened. And that's that's just so, so sad, isn't it? I mean, it is sad. Then it's a it's, it's a lose lose all the way around. It's like, you know, I, especially I it's when so important. You're, you're so we we want to help you. We want to solve your problem. That's what we right. that's why we're in this line of business. I mean, if I've been doing this for 33 years, like, why would I be doing this if I if I didn't care about it? Like, yeah. I want to be able to do it and I want to know right away if I can't solve your problem, now what I am going to do is, is I'll probably be able to introduce you to somebody who can. All right, I'm never going to never want to let them down, but at the same time, I don't want to get in a situation where I'm faking it until I make it. Something so, you so what you're saying is, you know, you get a prospect that's a, a not a truth teller, and then you've got somebody that called you up or sent you a, a LinkedIn message and said they introduced me to people and then you introduce them to the ones that are, are your rejects. <laughs> well, let I me get think it. here. Let beautiful, me think about that. Beautiful strategy. No, no. I'm talking about people that have legitimate needs, but we no, might I'm, not do I'm it. Teasing, say, I'm teasing. No, know. but let's say they, they, you know, it's it's something that is is uh, apples and oranges. You know, I'm, an, yeah. I'm selling apples and they need oranges. I'm going to find the best orange guy that I can for them. But that's funny that... Maybe I should start doing that. That guy that asked me, I'm gonna I'll just introduce him to the worst people I know. Exactly. That's start making a record. <laughs> I can't pronounce the guy's name, but he's sorry. It's okay. Well so we'll do an I, episode about these these LinkedIn uh how to we've done them before, but I just love taking yeah. apart these messages. They're they're just kind of hilarious sometimes. Hilariously bad. The negotiators. Yeah. Now Negotiating's a natural part of the process. I mean, I'm not talking about the normal negotiation. I'm talking about the people who are like, it's all about the discount for them. It's all about what they yes. can get out of you. They want more. They want more. I just, I last year I had a, a prospect and uh, it was actually a former student of mine, which so I, usually I wouldn't have met with them, but because of him, I did. And, uh, we put together what I thought was a really, really fair price for some focus groups. And, you know, and then they came back at us like, you got, you got to cut that somehow. And I was like, just like we talked about, I, I just walked away without even negotiation. I said, I don't do that. You got to find a lower price person. Go ahead. But that's just not how we do it. But right. it's like, you don't want to get into that spiral. I just think that that's just a shame, you know, and then, then you're, it's like we talked about with price, you're kind of negotiating your lowest denominator, which is, you know, it's like, come on, you're just, you're, you're selling your services short. Well, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're the most expensive option either. It's no. just that, it's just that there's no bottom to that lake. All right. Yeah. And so if that's the only, that's why we don't do RFPs, because the only thing right. left to talk about is price. And so, right. um, so they're solely focused on price or they mention the competitor's pricing, right? right. Um, these are ways to kind of spot somebody who's, Maybe not negotiating in good faith. You know, sometimes you have to adjust your proposal. Uh, that's okay. But we're talking about people that just seem obsessed with it. And again, I'll come back to the where we started. It's okay to say, look, I don't think we're a match. Now, you can do this very elegantly and say, but if something changes, slide your business card over or whatever. I'm going to text you. You don't slide any business cards anymore. But um, if something changes, let us know. Like, you don't have to, like, stab them or something. You know, it's just, look, I just don't think we're a match. It's okay. 
right? Let me yeah. see if I can find somebody who can help you, who's a better match. That's it. I mean, it's, it's not a big, it's not a huge deal, right? Now, if you have the mindset, I know this old, old consultant, I mean, I say old, I mean, older than me, even, um, his whole philosophy is win every deal, do whatever it mm. takes, say anything to win, 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 win. Wow, wow. I think he thought Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was a documentary. I don't right. know. But, uh, you know, and maybe his personality is the negotiator. You know what I mean? And it's like, like we talked about, like the, whether it's the driver or style, the thing, I mean, there are some people that are just so competitive that that's, that's just how they have to do it. You know, and, you know, if uh, he, if he is, he's terrible at it. Uh, so, but anyway, let's, uh, let's go to our final thoughts and, uh, we've got our final thoughts animation now. And so Ooh, there it is. Nice. And so let's, uh, let's head over there and see what we've got. So here are some of the takeaways and we just talked about it. Don't be afraid to walk away. I don't like using it as a technique. Like if you say you're going to walk away, walk away. You need to be willing to lose that deal. All right. Sometimes it comes back to you. You just were telling me about say, that. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think. Oh, you know, I've lost your audio. I think they'll respect you for that. A second so. here. Let's see if I can bring you back. That's okay. Don't worry about it. There you we'll go. go. The there, you're back on. All right. So you were just telling me about you. You said, "Hey, I." This. You know, this, this, there was there was a actually a long long term client that when we first met with them, they were telling us exactly how to do stuff. Their accounting firm, by the way. And uh, I, I did walk away. I told them, I said, I just don't think what you're asking is going to work. And then I told them why. And I, and I just said, you know, we're, we're not going to do that because it will never work. You know, it had to do with the methodology and some research. And uh, they went away for about a week and then thought about it and came back and said, you know, we think you're right. We, we want to work with you. So, you know, and it wasn't a technique. It's just like you said before, it wasn't a good match. I just thought I, I am not going to do something that I just don't think is the right way to do it. So absolutely. Uh, and is the wrong thing, maybe the wrong thing for the client. Now, yeah, the danger was, is the there's a hundred firms out there that, uh, that don't care about that. And they're going to take that deal. So they may or may not come back. doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Hopefully you have a good, strong pipeline. If you don't give us a call, we'll help you fix that. Uh, exactly. little, a little commercial I threw in there. Uh, yeah, be selective and don't be afraid to tell them you're only looking for good matches. I think that was one of the, I, I think almost all these points you, you sent me. Uh, well, and this this one is, think about it, even when you go to, to uh, apply for a job or you're interviewing for a job, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's all about job match. It's like, if you aren't happy with that relationship and they're not happy with you, I mean, it's got to work both ways. So I think you've got to be selective. Make sure that you get out of it what you need, you know? Or you're entering an, a new level of hell. Um, yes. yes. Practice active listening. Listen, stop talking. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. 80-20, right? Listen 80%, talk 20. Offer a guarantee. We didn't talk much about this. This almost deserves its own episode. Um, I think so, too. We offer a guarantee. Um, we're just about ready to, to announce that publicly, but um, we will guarantee our work. There are almost no marketing firms that do so. We do. And so that's going to help you with the skeptical folks. And then, you know, you need to stand behind it, right? Gives you some incentive to uh, I, get it right. I do the, the same thing with regard to some of the research. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll guarantee that we'll find you a couple of aha moments or we'll find you something that you had no idea about, you know, right. and it always happens. It always happens. 
We promise that we will deliver on every promise that we make. Really? All right. That that it's not going to be the way that maybe you experienced before. Um, don't uh, don't talk yourself and them out of the sale. Shut up and let them buy. Shut up and let them buy. I think that one's self-explanatory. It is. We do it. I have to do that all the time. I've done it. Um, I don't do it. So you oversell. Much you oversell. It's like oversell. tell them how great it is after they've already decided to buy it. You know. Don't overact and take things personally. There's nothing personal here uh, going on, right? Um, this is just business, and be respectful, be polite. If somebody's acting like a jerk, don't act like a jerk. Yeah. Try to understand, right? Or if you decide they're not a good match, be honest with them. Tell them so. Um, you know, and, and this happens too. Um, sometimes you're in a meeting, and one person is being a jerk, but the others aren't. But we take it personally. And then we project and think that oh, all these guys are just a bunch of jerks or all these people in this room are a bunch of jerks. And it's just usually that one person. And for some reason, they're acting up that day. And maybe they're not normally like that. But don't overreact because the rest of the people may be wonderful people. Well, and I would say that the vast majority of people are actually not jerks. There's something That's going right. on that you don't understand yeah, or you don't know exactly. they're having a bad day. But they're not yeah. jerks. Uh, you know, they might be acting like a jerk. I don't know. Uh, don't let one or two losses put you on a downward spiral of negativity. I think they can smell it on you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not exactly known as an optimist. So, <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, I like this um, topic. I think we should talk about sales a lot more. Um, and because I think that increasingly it's harder and harder to separate marketing from sales. And so I think if you're not talking about sales in a marketing context or vice versa, you're, you're missing you're missing something. So we've run a little long today. I know that both of us have meetings that are coming right up. And so uh, we'll end it there. But great insight. I think I learned some more stuff from you. That's why you're here, by the way, to teach me things. So I appreciate I think that. You're, you're the expert on this subject. So if any of the listeners want sales advice, Go to Pete. Don't come to me. Please. <laughs> I don't no, think I... you can ever be an expert totally. Or I'm, I'm learning something every day. So, But anyway, until next week, Thursday, 11 o'clock Central, LinkedIn, everywhere fine podcasts are consumed. Don't forget to subscribe. That's really important if you want to get the latest insight. So uh, have a great day, Bill. And you as well. And uh, hopefully it's cooling off down there in the podcast. It is. So we're, we're over and out. You've been listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. Add to the conversation by commenting, sharing, and liking. And don't forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.